Well, um, if you was here for equipping hour, it is true that I have been going through the book of Acts for some time now. And it is true we are in the ninth chapter, but this morning we're not going to be in neither of those. We are actually going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, and I will begin at verse 25 through the end of the chapter. Um, There is some irony to this this morning. Justin, in equipping hour, he talked a lot about the problems with an invitation system. So today, the the title of the message is going to be Jesus' Invitation to the Weary. So, I'm going to read the passage. If you would read along with me, would you stand with me as we read the Word of God? Beginning in verse 25, it says, At that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor, And are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Father, this morning I come before you. In much need of your grace. Your strength. The power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray, God, to be filled with that. Not for my sake, not for my name, but, God, that you would get glory for yourself today. That your people would be edified and strengthened and built up. That, God, that together, that, Lord, we could go forth proclaiming your praises, preaching the gospel, and giving glory to you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We, we are at the time of the year. You know, on one hand, as Dylan came forward and gave us the spoken word of the incarnation, there's this sense that, especially for Christians, that there's a sense, and, and I know, I understand, this isn't the time of the year that Jesus was born, I get that. But it's the time that we as a, a culture, that we focus on that and we, and we do celebrate that. But there's also this, this thing that at this time of the year, do you know that there's more depression that takes place at this time of the year? There's more suicide, there's more attempts at suicide than any other time of the year. Why is that? We're going to talk this morning about what it is to to rest in the Lord. 
I think for many sitting here, maybe, we all deal with things. We've been told by, by Jesus, we've been told in his word that we're going to, we're going to have trials, are we not? We're going to suffer persecution. We're going to, to go through those things. And as I look around, there's many different people, and I don't think no two people in here are going through the exact same trial. Even if you're a mom and a dad and dealing with a little baby like Dexter and Raina, they're not dealing with it in the exact same way. But, but here's the thing. What happens to us? What happens to people when they come to this point that they are just exhausted? They are so worn down that they just give up. A few years ago, I was visiting with my son-in-law's parents and a good friend of theirs had come to visit from out of state. And while this, this lady was here, she began to speak with her friend. And she said, I'm done. She had some children that had, there were very special needs. I mean, it was, it was a constant care. And because of that, her life was just at this point of stress and frustration, which affected their marriage and it affected everything. She started looking at all the things that she wanted to do in life and because of this could no longer do those things. And she basically said, I'm checking out. She wasn't committing suicide, but she said, I'm done. I'm getting a divorce and it's about me now. And it's so tragic. Years earlier than that, I got a phone call one day from a guy that I knew, and he called to tell me that a good friend of mine had killed himself. He had come to the point where he could not deal with it any longer. I want you to listen as we go through this. I'm going to go through the first three verses briefly, because what's going on is this is one of those sovereign passages of Scripture that shows us that God is sovereign over salvation. And what he has just been through, he has been dealing with the leaders and the different ones, the the religious group that were rejecting his claims as deity. They were rejecting his message. They were rejecting him. And look what he says in verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, he says, I I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Isn't it amazing? I just want to read something to you out of 1 Corinthians just real quick. I want to show you something. Listen to this. In, in chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, and I'm just going to read it quickly. Paul writes and he says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. 
God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no man may boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Isn't it incredible that that the ones who think they know so much, the ones who think they have some ability or some authority because of maybe financial gain or, 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 or some kind of power politically, those people never seem to see a need for Jesus, do they? But he says, after he says that, he says, yes, Father, he says, for such was your gracious will. And he says, all things have been handed over to me by my father. And no one knows the son except the father. And no one knows the father except the son. And anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Now, in this church, passages like this are spoke of quite often. No one can come to Jesus unless the father draws him. No one can know the Father unless the Son reveals Him to that person. God is sovereign, is He not? And then Jesus says this. Come to Me. Here it is, folks. Here's the invitation. We can start in verse 28, and we've got three things we're going to look at there. The first one is simply that. It's called the call. Jesus is saying, come to me. Now, if we understand correctly, he just said that God did not choose those who think they know, those who think they're intelligent, those who think they're wise. He says, no, but it's been God's pleasure to choose the the foolish, those who don't know, those who... See a need. And then he says this. He says, come to me. I want to ask you something today. Are you weary? Have you been, have you been struggling for some time? Think about this for a moment. So often we go on the streets. Justin was talking about this this morning. And every time you talk to somebody who claims to be a Christian, they claim this. But they're not going to church. They're not doing this. And then they say, yeah, I know, I've been thinking for a while. I need to get things right. I need to start doing things right. But you know what they never say? They never say, I need to come to Jesus. They say this. I need to get back in church. I, 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 need, to, I need to find my Bible and, and I need to start reading it. I, I, need to, I need to start you know, having some prayer time. I try to do that every night. Okay, listen. Jesus said, come to me. He's saying, call out to me. He's not saying, go to church. He's not saying, get better understanding. Learn reformed theology. 
That's not what he said. He said, come to me. In John 10, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Do you know who, you know what this invitation, when he says it's the call, that's the first point we want to look at. And then he, and then he, we see next, we see the condition to those who would come. And he says, all who labor and are heavy laden. So he qualifies with a condition of who he's inviting to come. Now, now, why would he be saying this? Well, if when you go back and you read in context, he's been dealing with the opposition, the religious elite, you know, the Sanhedrin, those who, the rabbis, those who thought they were the children of God. Okay? They thought because of their effort, because they were the Jews, because they had the law, because they had circumcision, because of all these things, we are the people. But these people were the same ones who would bind or tie heavy burdens on the common people and tell them, you must do this and you must do that and this and this and this. But it says, but you will not lift one of those burdens with your little finger. And so what happens is the people are burdened and they're weighed down and they're tired and they're exhausted Have you ever been in a church like that? It's almost like, let's see how many things we can put on you in order that we can be accepted by God. I remember years ago, I'd moved to Montana. We had planted a church. Not a good one, but we'd planted one nonetheless. And I was laboring, I was preaching, I was serving, I was trying to do all these things. And here's what I found, I found that I was just weary. You see, I, we, had, we believed that you had to keep all the commandments in order to go to heaven. Sounds like a pretty simple task. Well, here's what happens when you have that frame of mind. You realize very quickly that, first of all, you don't even know all the commandments. So what you have to do is you have to lower that standard. It's like I I couldn't attain to this, but if I just think about this whole thought process, I've got to lower this standard and then you think I can I can achieve this. But the problem is I didn't achieve that either. So I kept lowering the bar and lowering it. And I found that I was not even able to, to to accomplish the lowest standard I'd set for myself. And one night, I'm walking down the road. I'm not even going to church. I'm watching the people in my church drive by me. They don't even know it's me. And I thought, what hope do I have? What is my hope in? You see, I was laboring. What what does this word labor mean? You see, this word labor is, is, it's like, you, you work to the point of exhaustion, to the point that you collapse. You have gave everything that you could give and you just couldn't, you just can't do it no more. When I met Paul Priest, that's part of his testimony. 
he believed that so much of church for people, he said he felt like it was a crutch. You, you did think you stood on your own two feet. You worked hard, am I right? You worked hard and you, and you, you accomplished things. You, you, was, you was a person of integrity. You did things in the right way. And guess what happened? He came to this point where he was working and he was laboring. And he was exhausted. And he crumbled in a pile before Jesus Christ. Is anyone out there right now, do you feel that that's where you are, where you've been? What about the part where he says, all who labor and are heavy laden. To be, to be heavy laden is to be overloaded. And I know many of you saw this the other day, but that video, that poor camel. Did you all see that on Facebook? That camel was overloaded, wasn't it? just could not stand up under the burden of those people on him. Many of us, we, we find that we're weary, we're, we're trying to labor, we're, we're trying to keep going, but not only are we exhausted, but the load we're trying to carry is too heavy. And this is Jesus' invitation to you today. Come to me. What are the things that would overload us? I mean, we, you could just, who am I talking to today? Well, he says, he qualifies, he says, all who labor and are heavy laden. Now, you could maybe take context and say, this is talking to unbelievers, this is talking to the lost. I want to tell you, there's two classes today of the lost in our church building right here today. And if this applies to you, I don't know. But there are those who are lost and they know they're lost. I'll just be honest, in Oklahoma, we don't have very many people like that. Virtually, I've met maybe one or two on the streets that they knew they were lost. But there's also people who are lost, but think they are not lost. Just like the young man that Justin described. Somebody a long time ago, because he prayed a prayer, told him he was now saved and him to never to doubt that. Therefore, he's saved. There's nothing in his life, there's nothing in his life that says he's a Christian other than when he can remember the phrase, I'm saved, that he's a Christian. If you're lost today, how long... See, here's the thing. Are you, are you the lost person today that is weary? You've come to the end of yourself. You've tried just about everything you can think of to better your life. You've looked at the hypocritical Christians out there. And you're just as good as them. One problem. You have no rest. You have no peace. You go to bed at night and you, you sometimes lay there and you think about what will happen to me if I die. And there's no rest. There's no peace. This is your invitation today. Jesus is saying, come to me. 
What about the Christian? What about the believer? At one point, you came. You began to follow Jesus. But I'm telling you today, if Jesus is saying, come to me, then it's obvious that you're not following Jesus no longer. Something has happened in your life and you're no longer following and He's bidding you to come to Him. Christian, what is it that's weighing you down? What is it that you've yoked yourself to that you can't pull it? Have you ever been on a job like that? I remember a few years back, I was building fence, and I don't know what the deal. I had a helper at one point, but at this point, I didn't have a helper. I had a fence that was about 4,000 feet, hard ground. I was broke. I needed a paycheck. And when you would look up and you would see how much fence you had built and how much you had to go, there was this part of you. It was about 107 degrees. Had my poor wife out there one day. She's about to die. Then you get stung by a wasp. Just a little side note. Let's just say this. Everything was going wrong. But you know what had to happen? That fence had to be built. See, I was, I was heavy laden. I was overburdened. But Jesus is saying this, Come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden. What are you carrying around, Christian? Are you carrying around unforgiveness? What are you yoked to? Is it your pride? I don't know. Is it your marriage? Is it your children? I want you to listen to this. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, this right here is what we would call the consolation. We've got the call and then we've got the condition. And now we've got the consolation. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I mean, I want you to think about something for a moment. This rest that comes, I think sometimes what we get in our mind is that we're just free from everything. But, but that's not really what Jesus is talking about. But what he's talking about is this. Can you imagine somebody coming along when you're overwhelmed into such a point? If you've ever been on a job or anything like that where, or you're dealing with your children all day long. I remember one day my wife called me. We had started doing foster care and, and there had been some pretty rough moments and one day she calls me and she's broke down and she's crying. I wasn't exactly sure. She basically just said, you need to get home. I called Kyle on the phone. I said, look, man, you need to come home. I don't know what's going on, but your mom's about to have a breakdown. When I came home, I would found out that she had, the boys were just 
always the boys. I mean, any of y'all that know us, they know what we're dealing with a little bit. But on this day, she'd give him a bath. She'd put him down for a nap. Tanner was little. He was about a year old and still wore diapers. And Dustin was a little bit older now. was no longer in a diaper, but discovered that Tanner had a dirty diaper and decided he would change this himself. And it went from that to we can do art with this stuff. This is right after bath time. My wife comes in to hear some noise and see this. Puts them right back in the tub. Trying to clean the mess up. They get out of the tub. She hears more noise. She walks in to discover they poured something in the floor. She hopes it's only water. They're on their hands and knees with their mouths to the carpet trying to suck whatever out of the carpet. Now, you laugh. She was not laughing. She was weary and she was heavy laden. And when someone comes alongside and gives rest, comes along and you're yoked to them, you see, that's what he says. Now, I want you to know something. Listen to me closely. If you are not resting in Jesus today, you have either not come to him or you are not following him. You're either lost and you have never come to Christ, or you are saved and you are not following where He's going. And you have yoked yourself to something other than His yoke. That's what's going on in your life right now. Some of you keep yourself so busy with things because you don't want to look around and see what's really going on around you. I've got to stay busy. Why do you think people drink? Drunks. That's the biblical word, a drunkard. They try to ease the pain. They try to forget. It goes from that to drugs. Because they have no rest. They have no peace. Now listen to this. Look in verse 29. Here's the command. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. To take his yoke. Now listen. He didn't say take another yoke. He says take my yoke upon you. Now in order for you to take the yoke of Christ upon you, you're going to have to get rid of the yoke that you have right now. And the only way that you can do that, have you ever seen an ox get out of a yoke? He can't really do that, can he? Somebody has to do that. This is where it comes back to, come to me. There's the call. Come to Christ. He will take that yoke off of you. And He will put His yoke on you. Now here's the, here's the irony of this. When we read the phrase, we love the part where it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We get the idea that rest is, we're not doing anything anymore. We're just set back and we are just relaxing and resting, doing nothing. That is not the biblical rest that we're talking about in this passage. No. Jesus says, no, you're going to get rid of that yoke. You're going to put my yoke upon you. Because guess what? The work still has to be done. You still... Listen, are you struggling? Are you weary with being a parent? Oh, we thought we wanted these children so bad. But guess what? We found out there really is a thing called terrible twos. 
And we live in such a wimpy little world nowadays that everything that doesn't go my way, we just crawl into a blanket and curl up. I'm going to die. No, guess what? You still have to raise your children. But my marriage is not going well. I've seen so many women, and I'm not trying to, to, to I'm not trying to, to pick on women or anything like that, but I've seen so many women try to get their husband to just lead the family, to come to church. And they go about it in these Ways that, that just don't work. As a man watching this, you just cringe. What, what did God say? Wives, let, let your conduct, let the way you live, let that be a light to your husband. You won't even have to speak a word. Let him see you love and serve Jesus. And you let God do the working on the heart. I remember we had a Bible study in our home one night, and this poor lady, she finally got her husband to come. She tells me, she says, I just feel the Spirit of God in your house. And I was like, well, that's cool. And then she starts going, and she says, I feel like it's right over. And she starts going around my room like this. And she gets right in front of her husband. She goes, it feels like it's right here. And the guy's going, like, ah, exactly why he didn't want to come. No, guess what? You still have to be a wife. You, you still have to honor your husband. You still have to submit to him. But as long as you're trying to do it your way, that yoke is heavy. And the more effort you try to do it that your own way, I promise you, you're going to be overloaded. And at some point, you're going to drop in exhaustion. It's only when you come to the end of yourself that you're going to come to Christ. So he says, take my yoke upon you. Oh, my goodness. Let me give you another one. What about ministry? If we had time, we could let. We could let Randy tell you about exhaustion in ministry. He's never told me much, really any details other than the year before our church merged, our two churches merged to form what we have now. He said it was one of the hardest, most difficult, darkest years of his life, in, in his life but in ministry also. You see, here's the problem. Sometimes we are preaching. Sometimes we're leading Bible studies. Sometimes we're counseling. Sometimes we're doing all of these things. But at the same time, we are not yoked under Christ's yoke. We're doing this in our own ability. We don't, we don't realize that, but let me tell you, when you realize it, it's at that point that you drop in a heap. And you have to back up. I was busy with my son-in-law the other day, and he says... I'm just exhausted. One of the most tireless, relentless workers I know, whether it's physical, just, you know, just, just work or whether it's in ministry. And he says, I'm just exhausted. 
And I, I knew what he was saying. I have said the same things. I'm just so tired. So he says, take my yoke upon you. And then he says, and learn from me. He didn't say, go get, you know, the Trip Brothers books on parenting or this or that or anybody else's book. All those things can be good. But he says, learn from me. Not only, not only is Jesus the master teacher, but he is the subject matter. Sometimes I see these people and they get so, they make things so complicated. Don't listen to this guy. This is wrong. That's right. Don't do this. I mean, do I believe that doctrine is important? Very much so. Do I believe theology is important? Very much so. I know people who are in love with doctrine and theology, but they are not in love with Christ. They don't really like talking about Jesus' love. They like talking about the doctrines of grace. They like talking about the five solas. They like talking about things like that, but they don't really talk about Christ much. And guess what? You don't see much of Christ in their life. You don't see it in their conversation. You don't see it in their arguments. You don't see it in their dealing with people. Sometimes in life you have to hit a reset button. You've gone and you've gone and, and it's been hard and it gets harder and you're just, you're trying to drag this load along on your own strength. And at some point you just stop because you can't go any further. We had a moment like that in our little home church. That very fence I was telling you all about trying to build. I came in one night and never before had this ever happened to me. I was supposed to lead a Bible study that night. And when I got there, I had absolutely nothing. I was physically tired. I was mentally tired. Spiritually worn out. Everybody's looking at me to talk on something and there was nothing there. I was just about to break down. And I just kept kind of waiting. God, are you going to, is something going to happen? And I finally just said, I don't have anything. I said, I, I don't know what to do right now except for this. Can we just pray? Can we just intercede to the Lord? And you know what happened at that point? Everything began to change. You see, I was looking around at all of these churches around me and people saying you got to do this and you got to do that. And you, you got to learn how to coach your people, not pastor them. You got to learn how to put a video clip in your sermon. You've heard me preach enough. Where are we going to do that? Just stand over and get ready. And I was trying to do something not the way that Christ had taught me to do anything. And I was wore out. And he goes back to this, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. So he says, learn from me. I want to read a passage just real quick. You don't have to turn here, but in Jeremiah chapter 
chapter 6. Listen to this. What does it mean to learn from me? Well, in this passage right here, we're dealing with just the disaster that God's going to bring upon, on, upon Jerusalem. And in verse 16, and, I'm, and I don't want to take this out of context, but listen to what he says. He says, thus says the Lord. He said, stand by the roads and look. And he says, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Think about that. It's, it's it, you know, the, the Christian life is not really difficult. Do you realize that? Do you know that if you're yoked to Christ, if you're yoked to Him and you're plowing the field, the field that once was hard to plow because you were doing it in your own strength, now is a joy. Have you ever, have you ever experienced that on your job? You went from, it's just a grind. I mean, you're going to work. You, you can't stand your boss. You can't stand your coworkers. But then when Christ rules in your heart, you can go to that same job with the same boss and the same people, and now there's a joy there. There's not only a joy with the people you work with and work for, but in the job that you're doing. Your whole attitude has changed. That only happens when we are yoked to the yoke of Christ, and we are learning from Him about Him. That only happens that way. You see, because He said this, He says, For I am gentle and lowly in heart. I mean, contrast this with this. Do you remember when the children of Israel were in Egypt and they were under the the hard taskmasters? I mean, they said, you go out and you gather straw, you do this. No, at first they just had to build the the blocks or whatever. But then they said, no, you're going to go gather it up. You're going to do all of it. And what they do, they weren't gentle, were they? No, they were hard. They were cruel. You see, that's what happens when you try to, when you try to, to follow the Lord by putting these burdens of, of like law keeping upon yourself. Now, am I saying we don't, we don't serve the Lord? We don't keep His commandments? I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying when we do that so that we will be accepted or so that we will be forgiven or so that we will be saved. It becomes a heavy burden upon us. So he's saying, learn from me. He says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Does not he tell us in the book of Hebrews, he says, we don't have a high priest that cannot be touched, that he can't feel the infirmities, the troubles that we're going through. No, but we have a high priest who came down just like we are in this flesh, and he knows exactly what we are going through. He can relate to you. I mean, so much of the time, you ever notice that whatever we're going through, people, whatever you're going through, you'll say, you just don't understand. You hear that a lot. Well, the truth is, we probably do understand. We're not where you're at right now, but I promise you I understand. I remember when Tyler told me when they had been, after two months... He was getting no sleep, and he's about to break down and cry, and he goes, you just don't understand. <laughs> okay, that's my daughter there that you're married to. We dealt with her, her older sister, you know, I was like, I think we understand. It's just that it's real for you right now. Okay, so 
We have a high priest that can feel your pain. He knows what you're going through. And that is why he's saying, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Learn from me. I will teach you and I will teach you about me. And out of all the things that he could have said right here, he named two things. He says, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. I'm gentle and humble. Listen to what he says in Philippians 2. Philippians 2 says this. Beginning in verse 1, he says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. I want to ask you something. Is there any way more that you could be more like Christ? I mean, think about that for a moment. Here is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And He esteemed you in such a way that He was willing to take your place and die as a sinner so that you could have life. Think about that for a moment. And then I see people get on Facebook or whatever it is, and they are so... Fiery and so harsh with one another. And Christ is saying, I'm gentle. And I'm lowly in heart. I'm not like that. I'm not like those people. And they're not being like me. Let me show you another one. I'm going to read on here a second. He says, in verse 5, he goes on after he says... Look on the interests of others. Or he says in verse 4, he says, Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You want to be like Jesus? There's a good place to start right there. Probably a good place to finish right there. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. He says, now look, he's saying, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And he says, and you will find rest for your souls. You see, the rest is not a a workless rest. The rest is this, it's finding that joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I mean, when you are filled with the joy of the Lord and you feel that peace and you feel that rest, it changes everything that you're doing. You don't get up and look at life as a grind anymore. Something happens in the heart of that believer because he's no longer yoked 
to unforgiveness. He's no longer yoked to anger. He's no longer yoked to trying to do ministry my way. Oh, he's trying to outdo the other person. No, he has yoked himself to the yoke of Christ. And he says, you will. He didn't say you might. He says, you will find rest for your souls. Watched a little uh, short little movie, I guess, the other day. Running through Amazon Prime or whatever it's called. And saw this show called, I think it's called Bamboo in Winter or something. Some cheesy looking little Chinese movie it looked like. But it was about uh, the, the underground church in China. And the story's about a young girl that her father had got enough money to pay for her to get an education. And they're just waiting on her to get placed now to, you know, to, to be able to support the family and all this. But what happens is the, the pastor, the underground pastor that goes through all the villages, he's come and the, and the Christians are there. And, and at one point in this movie, she's really struggling. She, she's, God's opening her heart, but she's, she's like, well, it's foolish and but she's talking to the guy that's going to eventually turn them all in. And he's saying, you're a fool to follow this. You're a fool to believe this. And he says, we do this for the hope that we can get a color television. Or we, we can have the hope that we can get better provisions. And she says, is that it? Listen to this. In this story, she gets converted. The pastor gets taken away, probably killed. It doesn't really show what happens. But his next mission was to go up to another village and take Bibles and literature and all these things. And it ends with her taking this and going to distribute this to the next town. Do you see what I'm saying? You see, when you're yoked to Christ, it does not mean... But there's no work. Listen to how he ends this. He says, he listen, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, folks, to be yoked to something isn't easy. To be yoked means you've got a plow behind you. You're pulling something. There's, there's weight there. There's no such thing. It's an oxymoron to say a burden is light. But that's what Jesus is saying. A burden is a burden. It's heavy. It's hard. Do you know why you can't bear your own burdens? Do you know why you can't pull that yoke like that? Because they're so big that you can't grab a hold of them. Or you can't get a good grip on it to pull it along. It's wore you out. But Jesus says, my yoke is easy. Do you think the Apostle Paul's life got easier for him? He went from being a Pharisee, a very zealous Pharisee, he was laboring, trying to what? Kill and imprison Christians. Do you think his life got easier? But here's Jesus saying, my yoke is easy. He was no longer yoked to the Mosaic law for salvation. He was no longer yoked to that. He was now yoked to Christ. And if you go to 2 Corinthians, you can read of the things that he went through. The, the beatings, the, the floggings, the... The, the beating with rods, being stoned and drug out of the city for dead, being shipwrecked, hungry. I mean, all these different things. But do you know that in all of these things, there's a joy for the believer who is yoked to Christ? 
Do you understand that the gospel call is, is in opposition to the American dream? The American dream is opposed to God. Now, do we want to have freedoms? You bet. If we've been given freedoms, then let's use them in a way that honors God, though. But I want you to know that the American dream is all about you doing everything you can for you. The gospel call is an invitation to come and die. To be yoked to that yoke. And that yoke, he says, is easy. And he says, and that burden is light. Why? Because you're yoked. You're a fellow. You're yoked to your fellow worker there of Christ. It's probably a bad way to say that. Just lack of good words right now. But what I'm saying is this. You're not pulling that load alone. You're not doing that work alone. Jesus has sent us out to preach the gospel, to make disciples of all nations. He didn't send us out. He says, I am going to be with you always to the end of the age. It is not a difficult work. Are there trials? Yes. Are there persecutions? Yes. Are those those things going to happen to believers? Yes. They happen to Christ. They happen to His apostles. They will happen to you and I also. But we have this promise. We have this promise of rest. We have this promise that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. I want to, I want to read this right here. I'm going to finish with this in Philippians 3. Listen, listen to what Paul says. Philippians chapter 3. I'll begin in verse 7. Now, Paul has listed all the credentials he had as someone that would have been very zealous, someone that would have been, had confidence in their, in their efforts or works. And he says in verse 7, he says, Whatever gain I had... I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, do you get that? Do you know what he's saying right there? He's answering the call. Everything that would have been beneficial to him, he says, everything, he counts it as loss. Why? Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now listen to this. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. And that I may share His sufferings, 
becoming like Him in death, in His death. Do you understand that, that as a believer, you go from wanting to avoid those things to now, because of Christ and for His sake, you willingly want to be a partner, a partaker in that. And it's a joy, it's a joy to do that. Let me read this again. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, and I may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. That I may know Him. You want to know what it's like when He talks about the power of His resurrection, that power that raised Him from the dead? When you're out in what looks like Opposition that's, you cannot penetrate it. And God fills you with a message to speak. And when you're preaching it, you know you've been filled with the power of God by His Holy Spirit. And you see people crumbling under the Word of God. You see them breaking. You'll experience that. He says that you may know the power of His resurrection, that you may share His sufferings. Becoming like Him in His death. How many of you today are like the woman at the well? She had to come draw water at noon because she wasn't invited in the, in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening. She was a very sinful, very sinful woman. There's a picture there that she came with the old life, that, that water vessel, that pot, that that she came with to draw water, that was a picture of the old life. But in that conversation with Jesus, he says, if you keep coming here, you're going to have to keep getting more water. He says, but the water I'm going to give you, he says, it'll never run out. When she ran back to Samaria to tell everybody, the Scripture says she left her vessel there. You see, she had a different vessel now. She had water that was springing up to eternal life. How many of you in here today are like the religious Pharisee praying, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I thank you that I give tithes of everything I possess. I do this and I do that. And as he looked over, he saw this publican, this wicked sinner publican praying. And that man would not even lift his eyes towards heaven, but he smote his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I want you to know something today. If you're not at the end of yourself, if you're not broken, if you don't see yourself in need of coming to Christ today, you won't come. Do you know that you're lost today? There's people I've talked to, they say, I know I'm lost. I know if I die, I will go to hell, but I'm going to this party because that's what I want to do. They're not at the end of their self. They may never get there. But for you, if you don't know him, Jesus has an invitation for you today. Come to me. Come to me. And you, Christian, are you weary? 
What is it that occupies your mind? What is it that you are anxious about? What is it that you find you're worrying about continually? You've got the wrong yoke on. When Jesus talked about his yoke being easy, it's kind of like having the right tool for the job. It fits. You ever try to do a job with the wrong tool? It's hard. It wears you out. But if you get the right piece of equipment on, it's easy. It makes it all worth it. I don't know where you're at today. I know I look around and I see moms and dads. I see parents. I see children. I see people. Just like every other person in this world, we got life we're dealing with. The holidays are... We're into them, one's past, more are coming on. The stress of Black Friday, the stress of I don't have money, all these different things come to him. If you guys will come, Caleb. Father, I want to come before you this morning and ask you, God, that, Lord, this passage that you teach us, Lord, in, My prayer this morning, God, is that everyone in this room finds themselves coming to the yoke of Christ. Realizing, Lord, that the only place we'll ever find rest, the only place we'll find that peace and that joy is in Christ. Help us, Lord, to to learn what it means to be gentle, to be lowly in heart. What it means to... To find the joy even in the labor. Even in the times of of, of persecution. To know, Lord, to know fully, to believe with an assurance, God, that Christ is, is yoked with us in this. We've all we've all been there. We've all had those moments, God. But let us come to you in order that we can follow you. In Jesus' name.